All right, welcome back to the Get and Toss podcast. We are back, and we are going to bring you up to speed on everything that has happened over our uh, brief hiatus there. We're going to touch on the college football playoff picture, the MLB hot stove, a little bit of the NFL coaching carousel beginning to turn, and then we're going to round it out with our NFL playoff predictions as well as our patented toss sauce. So without further ado, let's get back into it. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are back. It is it is Caleb, Will, Jonathan, and Derek this week. What's up, boys? We're feeling good. We're feeling rowdy. Man, it's been a while. On Pred Podcast. A lot has transpired since the last time we convened. Yes, there's been uh, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of off the field issues, a lot of on the field stuff going on for us. And uh, we are let, we are here to let everyone know that we will be bringing you up to speed along, along everything. And we are not going anywhere. It may just take us a little time because the holidays are busy. <laughs> yeah. Holidays are tough folks. You got family tra- traveling in, you're seeing the in-laws, you're seeing your own parents. Christmas. Ooh, which one's worse? Tough to say. <laughs> it's a t- <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely the Christmas shoes. Then we got a, a big jolly fat guy coming to bring us toys this yes, month. Sir. Jesus, Jesus's brother Santa, he's coming to visit us all. <laughs> Old Saint Nicholas. All right. So uh, it's been a while. We uh, last we left off, the Red Sox were winning the World Series. Um, I think that's the only thing of note oh, that's what a, happened. What a plug that's happened in since, hey, shot, since our last podcast. So yeah, uh, 29 or 2018 and 2019 world series champion, Boston Red Sox. Let's do it. Um, and then uh, what else? Um, what else? we've had a playoff picture. Yeah. A lot of college football playoff shaping up some madness during championship weekend. Um, there's a, should we should we go ahead and just jump right into it? The yeah, uh, rip it off like a band aid, dude. Going down to to what who, to Broken Hartsville. I mean, aka Atlanta, Georgia, George Strait. Is that yeah? Him? I thought I, was, I think it is it George Strait. I think it is. Sounds like him. Yeah. So they're huge Alabama. line. Yeah, Ooh. and I'm not even ashamed of it, folks. They're I'm, I'm old some Reds. You Sorry, I see? just. You I guys really see this hairline? Don't you think red red wine goes with this hairline right here? Come on, <laughs> I'm old, folks. We move great, on. Great to, podcast uh, material for the viewers at home. I was showing everybody my hairline, but Derek's hairline's looking pretty. You know, as you get older, you just move on to wiser alcohols, and that's what I landed on tonight, folks. I just and I, I want to point out that it's it's not in a wine glass. I think it's in a sippy cup. So Derek's really <laughs> taking the Georgia loss hard. This is actually. <laughs> A cup from Napa Valley. It's actually where oh. they where they uh, create. Well, you think you're better than me? Beautiful. Someone drinks Robert Mondavi. 
<laughs> uh, all right. So, anyways, nine ninety nine special. There you go. <laughs> Love that Kroger yellow tag. Right, with yellow tail, Jonathan. I'm just kidding. So, Derek, as our only Georgia fan on the podcast, how you doing? Man, I know where you. How are you feeling? To lean on, you know. Um, on. Uh, I don't know which year is worse. Actually, last year. Um, or this year, I saw a video on Twitter today that was basically just all the heartbreaking losses Georgia's had in probably the last four or five years, um, starting with Aaron Murray uh, throwing the pass in the flat and getting down on the four-yard line and letting tip, him fire. Tip pass to Chris Conley, right? Yep, tip pass to Chris Conley. Then we move on to uh, the Hail Mary against Auburn. Where the dude is in triple coverage, ball gets tipped up, and he just trots on him. Six, yeah. Trying to think what was next um, was the Hail Mary against Tennessee. Yeah, hate to see ball up in the end zone. Watch that one. Um, then moving on to uh, last year's national championship, which was a heartbreak, and uh, second and twenty six. And then this year, the clip of the old fake punt call, uh, which will go down in, in history. It's been a rough couple years, folks. Yeah, so the benefit for the benefit for the fan base is that's over the last six years, and half of all of Georgia's fans only became fans three years ago. So they don't even know about uh, the Aaron Murray tipped pass to Chris Conley and uh, a couple of the other really heartbreaking plays. But for yeah. you real Georgia fans out there like Derek Mann, yeah, you guys are pretty fucking miserable right now. Yeah, Tennessee hasn't had that problem. You know, not at all. Literally not at all. Almost better just to be terrible. No, Tennessee, I mean, it was a great yeah, Tennessee is like a Tennessee is like a neighborhood with a bunch of old old residents. You know, they're they're not recruiting new ones. It's just it's it's the old it's the old guard. That's yeah. what it is, folks. And that's not there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, well, it was it was it was a t- it was a uh, it was a very good game. First off, um, but a tough loss, man. I, I mean, Will, why don't you break us down the uh, time leading? Yeah, we've been dying to bust out. Yeah, we got a couple. We got a couple numbers here for the folks at home to really just pour some salt on the wound. Uh, in the last two Georgia Alabama games, they've played for 120 minutes. Alabama has led in one of those minutes and are two and zero. In the last two games, there has been 290 plays between the two teams. Alabama has been ahead for nine total plays and won both. Very tough. Real big, real big bummer. It's tough. Yeah. Um, but hey, I mean, it's can't really say much about it. It's just the Georgia curse. You're 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 up both games. Bad things happen, and you get a heartbreaking loss. So, but all right. So let me ask you a question, Derek. So I coming into this year, I knew that Georgia would be supremely talented. They had an unbelievable recruiting class. They've already got a lot of talent on the roster. I know they lost a lot. I did not think that Georgia, I actually said, I might even said it on the podcast, 10 and 2, 11 and 1, easily win the East. They're going to play Bama in the SEC title game and they're not making the playoff because they're going to lose to Bama. Didn't think it would shape out the way it did in the game, but this is exactly where I thought Georgia would be. Are you okay with, I think it's 10 freshmen and sophomores starting for Georgia on both sides of the ball? Are you like, do you feel like y'all are on quote unquote plan with, you know, projecting to win a national championship in the next year or two yeah i think so i mean okay. i feel like you have to be happy with what kirby's done right 
I really do. And I think that the last two years, kind of. I mean, yes, they've lost both games, but I think um, I think it shows the world that Georgia's here to stay and aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, and one stat that uh, stood out to me that was talked about even after that game was how Kirby Smart already has more 11-win seasons yep. in his short tenure at Georgia than Mark Rick did his entire career coaching at Georgia. So yep. Mark Rick did a great job with the F-150 commercials, and he prepped these guys for life. No one can take that him, but Kirby's done what he's, being, what he's been paid to do already. Yeah, let me throw these stats out there for you. Kirby is 32-9, and nine, three seasons. That's a 78% winning precision percentage. He has nine wins versus ranked opponents, four top 10 wins. He's looking at two SEC championship game appearances, a Rose Bowl and a Sugar Bowl appearance, a college football playoff appearance, and a national championship game appearance all in his first three years. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're not happy with the loss. You're happy with what the team has, and you're happy, uh, you know, looking forward to next year. Yeah, nothing else. Uh, nothing else really to complain about. And it's hard to believe that there's actually a very small fraction of Georgia fans who would even think of of asking to themselves for a change. I mean, you know, it's it's really just the Twitter crazy um, hiding up behind a fake profile. But there there's people out there who 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 are probably just so sick of of seeing those close losses after just a couple of years that they're already at their wits end and, and want to make such, such an asinine type of comment. Yeah. Going to be, I think going to be interesting to see how Kirby. So he had to survive it a little bit last off season. Um, he lost a lot of coaches, um, mostly position coaches. Uh, Kevin Shear went to Tennessee, went from outside linebackers coach to the defensive coordinator. Um, I want to say they lost another position coach on the offensive side of the ball. Well, this now uh, they've lost Mel Tucker to uh, Colorado. Uh, it looks like they're going to probably lose maybe one or two others uh, positional-wise, probably with Mel Tucker going to Colorado. So I'm curious to see, and that's the thing that Saban's always been so good at, right? They are always constantly losing coordinators and position coaches, and Saban just keeps pumping out more stud coordinators and assistant position coaches. So I think that's the next step. Because I think I think Kirby's saving two point which scares the shit out of me. But for me, that's the next step is in Kirby's maturation as a the head of a program is how can he continue to replace these ace recruiters and good developers of talent with new with new fresh blood. Uh, yeah, and I think he will be able to. I mean, what who who wouldn't want to Georgia? Who wouldn't want to coach um, under Kirby? You know, I mean, I feel like that's one of the most attractive things for these coaches to come to Georgia. I mean, if you come in, you do well, you perform, you're moving on to a better school at a different position. So, um, or a better position at a different school, excuse me. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think they'll have no problem about, you know, no problem bringing in more coaching, you know, different coaches to fill those holes. And, um, yeah, it sucks. I mean, in all honesty, I think Georgia should have won the game this past weekend, but what can you do? A couple things go differently and, and they come out on top and we're moving on to the playoffs, but, uh, you know, that was the best team in the country and, and they played right there with them the whole time. Absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely uh, the Georgia Alabama games are uh, have been great to watch the past uh, as from someone from the outside looking in have been great to watch uh, the past two years. And I think 
um, we're going to be uh, going to be watching those games for the next uh, three to five years. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Good for it. Those SEC championship classic games. So yeah, uh, kind of pivoting away from that. Um, so, you know, Georgia lost Alabama's uh, securing their undefeated season. So their number one spot in the college football playoff, Georgia drops down to two losses and thus finds themselves out of the college football playoff picture on Sunday morning. So we have our top four of Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. So where do we where do we stand? Where do you guys stand? We'll go we'll go through the panel and, and start with Will on is, did the committee get it right? Is the are the best uh, are, are the are the correct four teams in the college football playoff? Yes, uh, I'll start with based on the last two years of how they did the the college football playoff rankings. Yes, they got it right. Um, now, if we're going eyeball test four best teams in the country at this particular juncture right now, not looking at resumes, then no, Georgia is one of the four best teams in the country. No one will play Alabama. In my opinion, no one will play Alabama tighter than Georgia did. Um, but I think the precedence they've set the past couple years and Georgia fans all up in arms all over my Twitter. I'm saying over and over again, Georgia's one of the four best teams in the country, but they're all over my Twitter because Notre Dame didn't play in a conference championship game. I don't give a shit. They didn't play in a conference championship game because they played zero FCS opponents. They played two non-power five opponents. And you know what? Georgia didn't win their conference championship game. So I'm totally fine with Notre Dame being at three um, Clemson, absolute domination all year, even with the whole quarterback thing with Kelly Bryant, which quick note, Kelly Bryant to Mizzou grad transfer excited for them excited to see Derek Dooley have another stud quarterback to sling the rock around. Um, but I think Clemson at two makes sense. I think Notre Dame at three makes sense. Uh, I think you could almost argue, I know the Purdue loss is really bad for Ohio state. You could almost argue the way that Ohio state's finished. They could have snuck in, but I think, Public perception with the scandal that happened before the season, I think that's why they're on the outside looking in. Um, I have no issue with Oklahoma. Kyler Murray's probably going to win the Heisman after the conference championship he just had against Texas uh, and the way that Tua kind of fluttered a little bit and didn't look very good against Georgia. So terrible. Terrible. I'm cool with it, man. I, you know, any, any Georgia fan is delusional if they're, they really think that Georgia was going to lose no matter how close it was and have two losses and stay at four. That just wasn't ever going to happen. As much as it probably should have, it wasn't going to happen. Now, the only way that happens is if Oklahoma loses. Then I do think they're still ahead of a one-loss Ohio State. That's probably true because they got smoked by Purdue. I mean, like yeah, I think, 20, that, yeah, 20 points, only, I think. That's the only way it happens. The only way yeah. it happens is if Oklahoma loses. Yep. Then you still have the same top four. Yeah. So, Derek, as a Georgia fan, you know, we just went through a lot of this with the game and, and your reaction. But where do you stand in terms of the college football playoff picture? Um, did they get it right? Do you feel slighted? Where do you stand? Um, get ready, folks. I don't say this often, but I agree with Will. Ooh, I do. Stamp I, 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 at 9.32 p.m. I, I do think Georgia's one of the best four teams, but, I mean, I you can't – I mean, it's – we got two losses, guys. That's what it is. You lose the last game of this – you know, you, use, you lose the conference championship. You get beat pretty handily. Um earlier in the year by LSU. I mean, we got two losses. There's teams that are undefeated. There's teams that have won their conference championship. I mean, there's, do I think they're one of the best four teams? Yes. Do I understand why they're not in 100%? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I totally do. Now, I think there is uh, there is at least a conversation to be had about it. Um, even you know some people that are on TV every single Saturday doing college game day, Kurt Herb, Kurt Herb Street thinks the same thing that they should be in. But um, I, I'm I'm not unhappy with with the selection. I'm yeah, not. I think the other thing too is this is now two years out of what three that we've had the college football playoff where uh, it's kind of a compelling case to move to an 18 playoff at the least. Um, George being on the outside looking in eyeball test wise, which is one of the components they say they use. They obviously look like a top four team, but they get left out because of two losses. So I think, I think they signed when they started this, I think they signed a six year contract for it to be a 14 playoff. So I think we're getting a bigger, bigger case study for the second that that's up, that agreement's up that they can move to an 18 playoff, um, which, you know, we can have a conversation about. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. But what I would be curious is what the format is. So, Caleb, your boys out west don't get a lot of love. If they move to an 18 playoff, what do you think would be the best setup for it? Um, I think it's pretty simple. I mean, just just like you do the elite eight. I, I like the you know I like the the one you know one v eight just like that. Just want run them through four games, two games, one yeah. game. So you think you think all power five champs, no matter what, and then three at large bids. Yes. Okay. Yep. Three. The, so you I think would be I, I the would love that. The precedent that the committee has set with the with placing the high importance on winning your conference championship has to be has to maintain a staple of the college football playoff. Right. Especially uh, when you have five power five conferences and now you only have right. four spots. Now, where you would run into an issue is say you know say something happened and something crazy happened this weekend and Pitt knocks off Clemson. Then it's, then you know Pitt as the quote unquote ACC champion, uh, you know they're in in that format, right? So uh, and then Clemson would have been and then Clemson you know would probably still be in as one of the at large bid. So um, it's it's How a little crazy tough. Is that? Yeah, it, I mean it's a little tough if you look at it that way. Um, but again, I think that it, in in a in an era where you're not going to be able to make every fan, you're not going to make be able to make all the fans happy. Right. So you, you move it to six teams, the, the seven and 18 te- are going to want it to be eight teams. You move it to eight, the nine and 10 teams are going to want 10 teams. So yeah. it's just, it's just going to continue to spiral. But I think that, uh, I think that six or, uh, at the very least the six or 18 playoff is inevitable. And, um, I, I think it is going to be the top five conference champs are in and you have three at large bids. I can even, I can even see six because you, you give, you give one at large bid, right? So you do yep. power five champs and one at large. That way, if you have a Georgia who, and then you, you know, when you do something like that, then you kind of force Notre Dame's hand. That's uh, true. You, you know, you, you have all these people complaining. Notre Dame isn't in a conference. Notre Dame doesn't, well, they don't have to right now. Right. They don't right. have to. So when you make it a, uh, you know, five of the six slots are going to be power five champs. Well, guess who's going to join a power five conference to ensure they have a better chance of being well, a, 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 a officially, a finally, <laughs> finally, officially join a power five conference. Two, exactly. things here, two things here. How crazy is it that Pitt was in the AC championship at seven and five? That's Bananas. just that's that's a great example. That's just a great example of what a down year it was for the ACC. That that's absolute doo doo. That's the coastal. Yeah, it's uh, the ACC was it was a down year for the ACC. I mean, they you know seeing Pitt go in against Clemson, it was really 
you know, my, one of my buddies here is a really big Clemson fan, and uh, I didn't even realize who they were playing. And we went out Saturday night and uh, turned on the he, we had the bar turn on the ACC championship game. I was like, holy shit! You know, first place, first place, seventy five yard touchdown. It's like <laughs> exactly, literally, first play from scrimmage. I was like, why are we here? Like, why are we yeah. even watching this? Embarrassing. Um, it, was, it was just rough. And then to your point earlier, Jonathan, if you guys are in the ACC, man, and on the coastal side, you guys would have walked to the conference championship. Yeah, why, why, why? Why is Notre Dame in a conference for every other sport? It's but the, NBA, but it's, it's the NBC TV deal, and uh, and, yeah, it, I, and, I, and I understand the TV, TV right. deal, but I'm asking like from a Notre Dame fan perspective. Right. What, I don't understand why they can't be put in a conference. Well, so oh, let me let me def- let me defend them real quick. Let me defend them real quick. If you would have looked at their schedule on paper when, when we scheduled this, hold on, just for this year, when we scheduled this, football schedules are made out like five or six years in advance. I'm not saying they shouldn't be in this year. I, and I, I know. I know. Scheduled this year. I'm just saying why why won't they be put in a conference? Because Caleb said it, they don't have to right now. The current playoff format, they don't feel forced. They don't feel like their hands forced to make a move yet. So for there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons, some of which are historical. We won't dive too deep, but kind of a, did you know folks, did you know that Notre Dame tried to join the big 10 multiple times back in the thirties and forties at that time, the big 10 did not want a fully, Cath, you know, a full Catholic institute as part of the Big Ten. Wow, yeah. that's that's religious persecution right there. If I've ever seen it, and at the time, that's probably like normal. It's like, hey, uh, we don't want a bunch of body eaters. You know, <laughs> I can say that because I am Catholic. Um, so that's part of it too. Uh, there's too there's too many historical historical intersectional rivalries that would 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 never be revisited again. Everyone harps on the Michigan game. Do you guys know that? Notre Dame has only played Michigan like 30 times. Notre Dame has played Pittsburgh like 95 times. Pittsburgh used to be good at football, believe it or not. There's way more. There's way more at stake in terms of its schedule than what people think. It, the the one that gets me the the most is how it would it would it would increase their selection of competition overall, which I completely disagree with because. Let's say, let's say, you know, in this case, it it didn't matter for Georgia this year, but you're in an SEC East. And Florida's having a down year. South Carolina's having a down year. Tennessee, you know, so you've got four of your conference opponents who aren't having great schedules yeah. or, or, excuse me, aren't having great years. Then that to me decreases your already pre-selected competition. You know, that's not a shot at the SEC East because that wasn't the case this year. But if you're in a conference like the ACC, what did everyone say about Clemson? Clemson yep. played probably the easiest schedule out of any top four team this year. Yep. And, and, and no one's paying attention to that because they, they dominated every opponent and that's, that's, that's fair, but there's, there's just so much to Notre Dame not being in a conference and uh, Purdue makes more money off of its big 10 TV network than Notre Dame makes off the NBC network. But guess what? There's a number of reasons why teams like Maryland and Ruggers are in a big 10 conference. If, if, if it was so profitable to be an independent, everyone would do it. But the fact of the matter is that the conferences make some of these schools way more money than they ever would being independent. So part of the reason some you know teams are in conferences is not because it's the pageantry or it's because it's the competition. Truly, it's just kind of better for a school overall in so terms of so, profit. So, I'm sorry. Would you rather Notre Dame stay out of a conference or join a conference? Out of a conference. So okay, what if so say say Notre Dame is in a conference, but they're like 
in the MAC or something, you know, they join a, a they join a non-Power Five conference. Is that is everyone then staying the same thing? Join a better conference, or is it? Well, they're in a conference now and they won their championship and they're undefeated. Well, yeah. look, at, look at UCF. I mean, yeah. it's not necessarily a join a conference thing. Yeah, but they wouldn't be a power. They they need to be at a power five conference of some capacity because that would be the quote unquote automatic qualifier if they won their conference championship. I think Jonathan's other point too, and I, and this is the thing I always harp on the most: the historic rivalries, um, Stanford, USC, Texas, uh, Michigan. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Jonathan, uh, Pittsburgh. Navy. Navy. I, I don't really enjoy the Navy rivalry, but Michigan State. Purdue yeah. and Purdue was once I mean, football. Notre yeah. Dame would get nothing out of playing an Arkansas. Notre Dame would get nothing out of playing a um, an NC State every year. Although it would be a good, that would be a decent game. There's just there's nowhere near as much significance right. uh, overall, and it's it's there's way more to it than just saying, well, you know, join the conference and play other Power Five opponents. They play they play eleven to twelve Power Five opponents every year, and. Yeah. This is just one of those years that just so happened to have Florida State shit in the bed, Stanford only winning eight games, USC having an awful year. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone pegged USC, I think, is a massive sleeper for the college football playoffs this year. Um, and and again, that's I mean, I get it. I get I get some of the like, well, hey, Notre Dame's schedule is is was a little bit softer than it was. Yeah, it was soft, but it's not that far behind Georgia's, you know, or it's not that it's practically farther ahead of Clemson's schedule. Um, it's it's right up there with a couple other top four teams. Yeah. Um, so I think even uh, after conference championship week with one whole less game played, they still were in the top 25 of strength of schedule. And and I've seen some folks make the, the case of, we'll just play a 13th game as long as it's not someone that's in a conference championship. Okay, so then what? So then, so then so it's then a Notre Dame, team. Right, so then Notre Dame plays an IU, or then Notre Dame plays... A, a a a Ruggers. No one's going to be satisfied with that, uh, you know. And my last point, I'm not going to ramble on too much longer, but it's a bigger disadvantage for Notre Dame to not be in a conference, even with even with the current selection uh, criteria. They pretty much have to go undefeated yep. year in and year out to have any consideration. There's been a couple exceptions in the past couple of years. In 2015, they had that close loss to Clemson. And Clemson, we saw, went on to do big things. So going into November, it was, all right, well, Notre Dame's on the bubble. They're fifth or they're sixth because it's like the NCAA basketball tournament. It was like a quality loss. Same thing last year. When they lost to Georgia by one point, going into November, I think they were third in the playoff rankings before that debacle to Miami. Same deal. That's the only exception where it's, all right, they lost to a top five team. Maybe they still get a chance, but if they lose to a Navy or if they lose to a to a Ball State or even to a Michigan State, there there's no chance they're going to make that playoff. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, and maybe down the road when there's a six team or an eight team uh, format, then they say, okay, there's only one at large spot. I, I guarantee you, there there won't there still won't be nearly the amount of consideration that people would think. Um, Notre Dame would give to join a conference. You know, I, I, I don't see any sort of that move like that happening in yeah. our lifetime. All right. So Derek, you went away for about five minutes and Jonathan never broke a breath. So <laughs> that being said, we're going to get into the matchups, Alabama, Oklahoma, Kyler Murray, mobile quarterback. What's that? What's, what's the thing? Nick Saban always struggles with more mobile quarterbacks. Yep. 
So Kyler Murray, probably one of the, if not the most agile, accurate on the run, mobile quarterbacks in college football. The my prediction for Heisman winner, Kyler Murray, um, versus Alabama. What do y'all's takes? What do you think? Do, does Oklahoma stand a chance? Is really the main question. Do they stand a chance? Yes. Short answer: Yes. yes. Uh, their offense is gonna have to score like every possession, but yes, I think. Uh, I think it's going to be a better game than people anticipate. I think that Oklahoma's offense is going to give them fits, just like Oklahoma's offense gave Georgia fits last year in the Rose Bowl. Um, Kyler Murray is a cheat code on a football field, and it's really fun to watch. I'm, I still think Alabama wins, but I don't think it's like some massive blowout by like 21 points or anything. I think I think Oklahoma hangs around, and their offense keeps them in the game for the majority of it. Yeah. Um, I think the fight, we could probably see the final score of the game being something along the lines of like 45, 31 or like 52, 42 Alabama. I, 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 Oklahoma's defense is not going to hold up, uh, with either Tua or Jalen Hurts playing this game. It wouldn't matter. Um, we've, we've seen Oklahoma's defense struggle against Kansas. We've seen them struggle against better teams like Oklahoma state. They've, they've come close to losing a couple games to Oklahoma state and West Virginia. Um, I think going off of their defense, I know defense sucks. Big 12 defense sucks. They've, you know, they've allowed a shit ton of points. You know, it's easy to score in Oklahoma, but do they have to be that good to pull off the upset in this game? They got to get three or four stops in my opinion. Because they score. I think the bigger question is not, Alabama's offense versus Oklahoma's defense. The bigger question is Alabama's defense versus Kyler Murray and Lincoln Riley's offense of of Oklahoma. It's going to be, can Alabama stop Kyler Murray? Because so far, not many people have been able to. Yep. It's yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be seeing what Alabama's front four or their, their, their down linemen and then what Mac Wilson can do ultimately. Um, Because if they can get to Kyler Murray early, Kyler Murray early on in the game, um, it could get ugly. But if if Lincoln Riley game plans uh, and and does enough to maybe you know you get Alabama blitzing early, throw in some quick slip screens or just some uh, some quick passes for Kyler Murray to hit his receivers with, um, be way more successful. You know what sucks is that uh, what's what was the it's been so long. Uh, Rodney Anderson was that Oklahoma's running back before the one that went down. Rodney Anderson. Um, I feel like if he was still healthy, he'd yeah, be a huge him. game changer uh, because the the biggest weapon has been Murray for Oklahoma. You know, we haven't really even heard of, you know, another guy that's carrying an offense like he is. I, um, <clears throat> I think they uh, hang in there at first. And uh, I, I think it's like a two touchdown game, kind of similar to what the scores Jonathan was throwing out. Yeah, agreed. Going to be interesting. And the next matchup we're, uh, is going to be Jonathan. Clemson, Notre Dame. Your 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 boys, your fighting Catholics, your hail marys, my Brian oh, Kellys. Oh man, you the know Brian what? Kellys, the little There's, leprechauns, the golden <laughs> domes. Oh my god! Unless I mean, uh, you want to keep going? Actually, I, I I would try, but I don't have any more. <laughs> you did good. I was, you did good. Um. The only the only way that I come away from this game like really ultimately disappointed is if is if it's a, a 42-14 type showing. Um yeah. 
I, I really, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, the Vegas line's disrespectful. I mean, it is what it is. Clemson's put up uh, the amount of points they have all year for a reason. It's because they're that talented. Um, at the same time, uh, Trevor Lawrence hasn't had to face uh, a secondary like Notre Dame's all year. Um, you know, they've played some some softer ACC matchups just like Notre Dame has in their schedule. Yep. Um, they've kind of got they've got some common opponents. Um, they've each played Pittsburgh a couple times. Uh, Clemson's played them twice. Um, and then, you know, it's going to be whether Ian Book can can continue to be as efficient as he's been all year against Clemson's defense. Um, we saw Clemson struggle against Texas A&M and Kellen Mond in that uh, real thriller of a game when they lost, when they won 28-26 over Texas A&M. And Kellen Mond picked him apart. Well, he didn't pick him apart. He was 23 or 40, but he still threw for 430 yards. Ian yeah. Book's not going to do that, but he's going to spread that defense out because he throws quick intermediate passes um i don't think dexter williams is going to be able to get much done against that that that, well y'all's offensive line while very banged up has started to kind of come together a little bit towards the end of the season so maybe they build upon that but yeah you can't lose what is it alex Barr and yeah two other starting bars yeah it's the Uh, big loss he, he was the biggest loss um and i mean they've come together and kind of patched it up um and 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 again they've got they've got a top 30 offense They've got a top 30 defense, and that's the biggest difference between this Notre Dame team and the Notre Dame team of 2012 uh, because that offense was, uh, most regards, pretty mediocre. You guys forget, Tommy Reese was playing some football games back then. Um, To his credit, has done a good job coaching now for Notre Dame, but, you know, that defense, for as elite as it was, you know, was kind of propped up by a couple guys, Manti Teo and Stefan Tewitt, but... This Notre Dame defense this year has a lot of different playmakers. Yeah. Um, I think so. Opening line was 11, uh, Clemson minus 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. I will be on record saying I think that Notre Dame covers that. I think that it's a closer game than a lot of folks think. I'm with Jonathan. I don't think, I think Clemson's a very, very, very good team. Um, I think they played a soft schedule and that's why they blew a lot of people out. I think that Notre Dame is a very, very good team. They played a, tougher schedule, but the ACC opponents that they had were a little bit softer. Um, it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be massively high scoring, but I do, I do see a scenario where it gets up into like the low to mid thirties, uh, which is crazy to think that that's not like massively high scoring these days, but that's kind of the way that we're going college football wise. Um, I think, I think Notre Dame's defense alone keeps them in it. They're very talented. They've got a lot of playmakers, a bunch of young guys, bunch of veterans, um, at the linebacker position and the, and the defensive secondary, I'm I'm confident that it's going to be a close game. I, if I was a betting man, I'm taking Notre Dame with the points. If it's on the money line, I'm not touching either of these two with a hundred foot pole because I just don't know which way it would go. You never know. I mean, uh, Trevor looks great, but you never know what you're going to get out of a uh, you know a freshman QB. So that's true. You know what's going to look there? What what that's going to look like? I think. To me, this is the game I'm most excited to see out of, out of the uh, the the first two. Yeah. Um, you know what is Mr. Cartersville slinging the dingling all over Georgia? <laughs> the dingling, dude. Look like against Notre Dame, and I, I'm I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be a good game, and um, yeah. Personally, uh, yeah. personally, yeah. I just I don't I don't know I don't understand where some of our our blue checkmark friends. Uh, whose names will not be mentioned on Twitter have kind of come up with this this narrative that it's really going to be a blowout. 
Yeah. Um, no, they, I mean, they want they want a blowout. They think it's going to be a blowout, and they want Notre Dame to get beat because they want them to get exposed. It's like, well, like why Notre Dame played a hard fucking schedule all year? Like, it's like they yeah. they somehow validated that if Notre Dame gets exposed, then Georgia, then they're going to be validated validated in thinking that it should be Georgia over Notre Dame in the college right. football playoff. Right. Yeah. It's an odd. It's kind of an odd. It's not. A, it's not even a hill to die on. It's just kind of an odd. It's a not hill to preach on. It's like, look at me. Look at look at what I'm doing. I'm talking about 2012. It's like, well, that's great, but guess what? It's it's six years later. It would um, be cool to have them in the ACC coastal side, and we could have already seen this matchup. But oh, it would be. But that's only possible if you play NCAA 14 and you get your dynasty far enough. And also, if Notre Dame geographically moves to be positioned for the coastal. Uh, there. What side is the basketball team in? Uh, the Are west side. Them? Just kidding. Um, ACC. Okay, but what side of the ACC? Uh, don't have that information for you at this very moment. Got it. Okay, no problem. But no, no, so, problem. no problem. Like, like Will said, good teams win, great teams cover. Notre Dame definitely covers. The homer in me is obviously gonna. I'm. I mean, the believer. And even being somewhat objective uh, could make the case for Notre Dame winning. The homer in me is going to uh, say 27-24 Notre Dame. And I think that's I think that's somewhat realistic. Um, I love like it. Will, like Will said, it's not going to be – we can't see it being all that high scoring. Low t- High 20s would be even lower than what Will talked about. But that's – I think what – I think that's, that's going to be Notre Dame's defensive line – getting to Trevor Lawrence enough times and eventually causing him to make a mistake at the end of the game, just like Georgia did to Notre Dame last year in yeah. South Bend. Woo. Man, that's a, that's a shit ton of football. That's, that's a lot, lot of football, football talk there. And, oh, no, and no, no, no NFL either. And we didn't even touch on the NFL yet. So you know what else is going on, though? Ease it. Hot stove. Hot stove. What? Let's go, baby. Everyone's it's, favorite sport, football is shit. Baseball. <laughs> it's hot stove season. It's the best. Like, this is the I, – I, I just love baseball. I love baseball in general and hot stove season, the speculation, the every team being connected to every player, the Phillies being connected to every player on everyone's roster is just incredible. I love the hot stove. It's here. And so is Josh Donaldson. Let's go, baby. One year. Let's go, baby. $23 million in Atlanta, man man in the hot corner for Brian Snicker and company. Bold not cold take here, folks. If his calf stays attached to his leg this year, he will post a plus 900 OPS. You heard it here first. He will dominate the hot corner, and he is going to pop. We're saying bold not cold. 40 bombs. For Donaldson, Ooh, I was going to say thirty, but I'll go forty. I'm on board. I mean, forty bombs for Donaldson if the calf stays attached to the leg. He doesn't. He doesn't even have to play more than 120 games to do that in SunTrust yeah. Park. Boom, and that's my. That's why <laughs> hedging the bet there. We okay. hedge. Hashtag we hedge. <laughs> yeah. Here's my thing. Let me get on. Let me get on my uh, hot seat here. Do it. Let me get on my. Uh, so to say it with your chest. Well, you're on the hot um, seat. Not only am I super excited to finally have some protection, a, a big power threat righty bat behind Freddie in the lineup, but I'm even more excited for what this does for the Braves bench and the depth overall. Let's take a look at the two teams that played in the World Series this past year. We have a bench for the Boston Red Sox, Caleb. That was incredible. You've got Mitchie Two Bags coming off the bench, right? You've got... Uh, 
Brock Holt, you've got Ian Kinsler, you've got either Devers or Nunez coming off the bench, all who had great World Series. Now let's flip over to the Dodgers, right? We have David Freeze, Brian Dozier, Jock Peterson, Puig, Chris, Chris Taylor, all these people coming off the bench um, in incredible lineup top to bottom. Then we take a look at the Braves this past year, and we've got fucking Ryan Flaherty. And Peter Borges, baby. And Peter Borges. And, and my God, I hope we never have to see that again. What this does, <laughs> we've got Donaldson at third, and then you've got Marlon Gonzalez 2.0 all over the field, right? This man is still going to get his 500 plate appearances. Camargo is. Uh, AA came out and said he's trying to give everybody more off days. I think that's a big reason why Freddie struggled second half. Cake struggled second half because these guys are playing every single day. Yeah. Own Camargo, own Camargo in your fantasy league just for the position eligibility. He's going to be all over the field. He's going to give everybody off days. When Donaldson needs time, he's going to be there. When Dansby needs time, he's going to be there. When Ozzy needs time, Freddie needs time. He's going to play all, all over the infield. And for good reason, too, folks, let's take a look at some of these splits that the <laughs> Braves infielders had this year. Ozzy Albies, you guys know how big of a fan of his I am. This man hit 330 from the right side of the plate this year. What Big. about the wrong side? Oh, let's let's move over to the wrong side, folks. That left-handed side is not good for him. Hit a clear 100 points worse on the lefty side. Yikes. 230. So what are we going to get? We're going to spell him some off days against lefties and let Camargo hit. Now let's look over at shortstop. Dansby, who had a great average from the uh, versus lefties, hit a cool 200, but was respectably better against righties. He hit 240 against righties, 200 against lefties, we're going to give him some off days uh, and let Camargo work on some of the splits as well. I think everything this does, now we have a bigger bench. Yep. We're going to give people more time, you know, more off days, keep them healthy, keep them fresh throughout the season. I Before the, the move was made for Donaldson, uh, the Braves had zero bench. And since then, now we have Camargo, who can play anywhere, Culberson, who can play anywhere. And I think we're going to keep adding, too. I do think there's a few yep. more bench guys that get brought onto the team. And uh, it's looking good. It is, it is looking good, folks. Wow. That was a lot of stats, Derek. I bring in the heat. This brave season, baby. There's no and, days off. This is, this is hot stove season. Did you and, forget? and don't forget, I don't think I didn't forget. Did you forget about the, the homecoming that we're also having this, fall, this spring? The Talk. Big Mac? Talk to me. Uh, what a savvy move by Alex Anthopoulos. I really like the Donaldson signing. Don't get me wrong. I think... If he stays healthy, that is you. That is worth every fucking penny of twenty three million dollars. But to literally have Brian McCann take a two million dollar deal when he easily could have went and fetched, call it five, just to come and be a veteran presence for the young rotation, kind of work with Tyler Flowers, give you a good lefty power bat. I, I mean, I I couldn't be more excited to have B Mac back. He's always been one of my favorite Braves in. And the generation we grew up really appreciating uh, Braves baseball. And I think it's a good way for us to get him back home before he probably retires in a year or two. Um, but also just the value he's going to bring to the locker room and to the pitching staff is going to be immeasurable. Yeah, I agree. I think that's some, the, the biggest thing is you, you got to think about all the knowledge that this man has. This man has caught Smoltz, right? He's caught Glavin. He's caught, CC, he's caught Justin Verlander, he's caught Keichel, he's caught all these incredible pitchers. He's going to have so much knowledge. He's going to be just another tool for these young guys uh, to come up and use. And I think that's going to be 
huge for some of these people to learn from. Um, you see all the people for, for the Astros coming out and saying, you know, how big of a help Best teammate I've ever had. Yeah. yeah. You know, what he's done for their individual game. And, um, I'm pumped. No, it's not JT real Muto. No, no, that's not what it is. But as the Red Sox proved this past year, you do not need a stud catcher to win a world series. You need somebody that's adequate. That is, I mean, he, he, Average someone who can right? someone who can get a timely hit, but man, yeah. but man the but, but man the the Ford defensively, yeah, uh, and, and and be reliable and call those, you know, call those tough games, and platoon them just like the Red Sox did, just like with Sandy Leone and, Vas- and Vasquez, right? Chris Vasquez, Vasquez yeah. yeah, just platoon them, and that's what we'll do. I mean, if you look at the production from Flowers and Suzuki last year put those two together and they're a silver slugger for the position. Yeah, They were the best. They, the last two years, they've been the best backstop in the national league. And I think that's what, you know, is going to happen with, with flowers and McCann. I think it's like a 65, 35, 60, 40 split with flowers getting the majority, but um, I'm excited. And, and what, what is one good thing is that flowers and Suzuki were both righties. Now we've got a split. Now you've got McCann. He can hit lefty flowers, righty. McCann also a historically very good pinch hitter in his career too. Which is going to be something really big late in games. I'm, I'm, so we know, I'm so stoked. We know, Derek. We know you got to hop off here in just a few minutes. Uh, we, we know we had you for a limited time tonight. Just want to get a couple more, a uh, couple more thoughts from you. Um, you know, you mentioned Real Muto. The Braves were, you know, a lot of us or a lot of our friends and, and uh, close Braves fans that that we talk to often were all in on Real Muto. Trade the prospects, do all this. Well, those are, you know, as you just said, you can win a World Series with an adequate adequate catcher. Where do you want to see the Braves, you know, uh, kind of make some some of their moves? Do you want to see them, you know, send prospects, maybe spend a little bit more money, both? Um, and, and if so, on what? What are your what's your wish list uh, as we're getting close to the holidays here as a Braves fan? For me, um, what I want to see the Braves do next is to get a corner outfielder. And I think we, we've spoke about this. I think a corner outfielder is, is the next biggest need. And then after that, honestly, I would probably go to the bullpen. We need somebody that's going to be on the back end to sure that up. Um, I think on honestly a start, I mean, I, I want a frontline starter. Don't get me wrong guys, but I think overall we have, that's our, our position where we have the most to work with rapid fire me. Your three best, your well, three yeah. most desirable corner outfield options for you. Three uh, names. Are we, are we talking trade or are we? Yeah, talking I was gonna say via trade or any, any, yeah, all of the above. Uh, wish list. Wish list. Of course, I'd love to have Bryce Harper. After that, which we're not going to get, but honestly, if we could go out and we sign a Michael Brantley and and we bring in like an Andrew Miller or or somebody like that to shirt the bullpen, I'd be happy with that. Which are both very doable, very right. doable transactions and acquisitions for the Braves. That gives you a dynamic one through five, right in the lineup, and then after that, you still have. Yeah. You know, Margo, Ender, wherever you want to put those guys in the lineup. And then you also have another guy in the bullpen uh, that we're going to get innings out of. And it's somebody that's going to be a stopper, a hard thrower. Uh, I think those are the two biggest needs. Um, it's hard to say trade-wise because there's so many different options. Obviously, there's a ton of people that that would be interesting. Um, but I think Brantley is a gettable guy that would be exactly what the Braves could could use and at a, at a friendly deal as well. Awesome. Give me Mitch Hanniger. Yeah. 100%. The Mariners are, are handing out players for nothing at this point. So just might as well just go ahead and get them. Yep. 
without a doubt. I mean, if, if you can't, I mean, Harper's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen, but if we're going to trade for somebody, my God, I'd love to see Hanniger. Well, just, uh, you know, you mentioned the frontline starter and how that's kind of on the bottom of your wish list. I mean, you not that, not a, it, of need it's, it's towards the bottom. I mean, and if you think about it, look what the Brewers did last year with their, their rotation. Yep. They didn't have necessarily the best starting rotation. They had a couple of, uh, they had a couple of key guys perform really well and have good seasons. And that's kind of what you're looking for. But what what did they have? They had a dominant, dominant bullpen. Yep. And that's something that carried them down the stretch. Now, so, am, am I excited about seeing the Nationals with a one, two, three of Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg? No, I'm not. But um, I think we have the most depth at, at the, in the rotation. Let's go get a bullpen guy and bring me a bring me a, another corner outfielder. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of dropping that in the. Uh, Nationals tonight signed Patrick Corbin to a six-year, one-forty deal. That yeah, so that's a, that's a lot, lot of cheddar. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a pretty uh, pretty expensive but pretty uh, effective one-two-three there with uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. Man, so, but could you go with a more injury-prone route though on your top three? Yeah, sure. yeah. Corbin, Corbin had, he had TJ two years or three years ago. Missed two years ago. Two hundred inning guy every year. What? Scherzer? He's a, he's no, a he's Corbin. A, oh, no, yeah. yeah. No, the, the whole neck thing with Scherzer is what I worry about long term now. I mean, he's already old, but he's, yeah, he's going to have that Tiger fusion. He's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I think, well, I think that math works out to like 28 million or something a year for Corbin. And I listen, I think he's, uh, I think he's a good pitcher, but significant velo dip second half of last year trying to work back from Tommy John. I think that's a lot of fucking money to be paying someone who, is not that far removed from Tommy John and also is not showing great signs of not wearing down in the second half of the season. Well, and my second thing off of that, do you think that that's kind of a, Hey Bryce, look what we're trying to do because I think they're still 100%. in on Bryce Harper. They have, 100%. they have the, they have the pockets that ownership has the money to go out and still make a, make Bryce Harper a 35, 30, 30, $35 million a year, man. Um, and that's something that, that they can still afford to do. So I mean that's that kind of deal shows Bryce. Look, we're investing not only in the now but in the future. Yeah, I think it's. I th- yeah, I think that's. A, it's a. I don't. I think it's partially that they're trying to convince him to come back or to stay. But I think more than anything, I think they see what the Phillies are doing, yep. and they see what the Braves have already done, and yeah, the Nationals are like, and the Mets too. They're like, they're like, fuck if we don't do something, we're about to be fourth in our own division. Yeah, speaking of the future is now, the Mets had clearly no intention of a rebuild in mind. Nope. Nope. Caleb, what Caleb, why don't you bring in the probably the biggest offseason transaction so far? Uh really all belonging to the Mariners, but this one with the Mets. Yeah, so the Mariners trading uh Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz to um to the Mets for oh, and cash to yeah. the Mets for Jay Bruce. Um, and who, who was it? Jay Bruce, someone else, Anthony Swarzak and Swarzak and the, you know, the couple other prots prospects. Yeah. Garrison Bautista, Jared Kellen, Kelson, Kellenick, and then Justin Dunn. Basically they sold, they did not do, they did not start off the rebuilding process correctly. (laughs) Um, this is basically what they did. They took on, you know, the, the Mariners didn't, they wanted to get rid of Robinson Cano's contract so bad that they took their most valuable asset in Edwin Diaz, paired him with Robinson Cano to offload that contract 
And instead of getting three, four top tier prospects, they get two okay-ish prospects. Yep. And so Jay Bruce. Ken, Rosen, Ken Rosenthal just tweeted 30 minutes ago, um, responding to a tweet that says, uh, Mets have indeed talked to Marlins about Real Muto and are seriously considering Nimmo as the centerpiece. So Rosenthal quote tweeted this and said, trade Nimmo, get Real Muto, and sign Pollock. And Jesus Christ, folks, if, they do if, that. if that happens, ah, man, this NL East thing is, is going to be uh, – NL East just became the toughest division in baseball if that happens. Ooh. Yeah, and I then I will say the Braves might have become the third best team. Ooh, I mean, if that if those things transpire and we haven't made another trade yet, I'm almost going to be happy that we didn't mortgage off our future. And because those oh, that's yeah. a lot of win yeah. now moves for a lot of different teams, and you want to keep the farm as thick as you can because we might not be in LA's champs again next year. We might have to wait another year before that. Ha- that's just absurd. Some of these rumored moves are incredible. <laughs> it's rumor season, baby. It's great. The, I, I, the, yeah. the DC the uh, the Nationals beat reporter coming out with all the rumored players that the Braves have been trying to talk to. And then 20 minutes later, every single time Mark Bowman refutes it and says that we haven't shown any interest. Um, it's great. What a great time of year. John, yeah. Give me some, give me some insight to the Cubbies, man. Aren't you guys, aren't you excited about trying to solve that whole David Ross hole behind the plate? Cubbies are uh, maybe taking a page out of double uh, A's book and basically just staying quiet. I am confident that they're pursuing the players that they most desire. They're going to make the smart moves, but there is absolutely zero talk. Uh, you know it's been a slow start to the hot stove season when Cubs fans were up in arms about not re-signing Jesse Chavez before the Rangers could get him. Um, that was great. That was wonderful when people were like, "What the hell, Theo? Like, come on! Like, look, the guy took the guy took four million a year from Texas. He pitched great last year, but you know what? Take your money and go to Texas, man. It's not worth it. There's other relievers on the market that that can that can garner that type of deal." and make them come to Chicago. But yeah, the silence is, uh, is, is just starting to get to me. Um, I'm waiting, you know, I'm waiting to, I can only look at so many Bryce Harper Instagram pictures with Chris Bryant before I start to get kind of jittery here and, and hope that something actually happens. Um, for now, I'm going to just continue to sit back though, uh, and just wait and see, because there really is nothing, uh, with, with the Chicago Cubs, um, going on too much, but, uh, Speak of the Theo, Caleb. <laughs> as I say, Theo watches on, and uh, Ken Rosenthal quote tweeting Patrick Mooney as Bryce Harper's camp has staged a series of meetings in Las Vegas and Los Angeles. Are the Cubs lurking and waiting to make their next big move? Boner alert! <laughs> Boner alert! Um, it, the, the, I think the time to make the move is now, especially after Corbin has signed with Washington, and if Washington is going to be trying to coax. Harper back to the to to their city. I think now is the time for Theo to come in and say, "This is what we're looking to do," or uh, just here's the money you want. Um, it's there's there is no more time to sit back and wait, especially with how active that the Met the Mets have been. The Nationals are now getting in on that. Yep. All right. So we got uh, Derek had to hop off here, so it's just uh, Caleb, Will, and Jonathan to close you out for the rest of the night. So we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you guys. Um, I'm going to run through a quick list of maybe five guys uh, on the market. You let me know what team they're going to end up with. Before Ooh, I like this today. game. This is a fun, right. game. fun game. All right. Bryce Harper. Jonathan. Cubs. Well, 
Phillies. I'm saying White Sox. Ooh, yeah. Love it. All right. Uh, Manny Machado. White Sox. Will? Fuck. Uh, Phillies, and I think they convinced him to play third base. Phillies as well. Um, okay. Dallas Keuchel. Fuck. Apparently he's been talking to the Braves, but they're denying it. I don't even know. Uh, uh, okay, I'll say I'll start this. Backs. I don't know. I'll start this. Yankees. Oh, just okay. because just because they missed out on Corbin just because they want him to shave his beard and they missed out on Corbin. <laughs> okay, I like that. Uh, I'm gonna say Braves. I'm gonna say this might be the one bluff that AA is doing. Okay, God, I hope he doesn't ever pay for him. Ugh, yeah, that does not Whoa, sound fun. That sounds rough. Yeah. Yikes. Don't like that. AJ Pollock. Um, damn it. Mets. I'll go Mets. You think that'd make that big of a splash? That'd be really? sick. That would be awesome. So? I think he goes to the Giants. Farhan okay. Zaidi in there now. Yeah. Uh, he's seen what he can do in that in that division. I think he goes to the Giants. Um, and then lastly, this will be a trade. I think these uh these two players get moved. Um, especially now with, with Corbin gone with, um, with Corbin gone and with, um, AJ Pollock gone. What about, uh, Paul Goldschmidt? Where does he land? I don't think he starts the season in Arizona. St. Louis. Aren't, aren't there big rumors going around? He's going to St. Louis right now. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to guess St. Louis because I can just see him being the next Albert Pujols to be the thorn in the side of the Chicago Cubs for <laughs> eight years to come. Um, I'll say, I'll say the Yankees, if they miss out on a couple other people, because that whole bird experiment is really tanking hard. I'm going to say the Astros. (laughs) If they got him, oh my God, dude, if they got Paul Goldschmidt, they have the prospect. The the shittiest part about it is they have the prospect. Kyle Tucker, right? Yeah, I mean, if they want another Kyle World Tucker. Series in this window, they have. I mean, not just Kyle Tucker. I mean, they still have you know oh. a pretty pretty stout farm system. So, three three uh, solid lastly, pitching prospects. Lastly, Zach Grinky. Hmm. Hmm. The thing with Grinky is there's no trade clause, right? Yeah, that's what yeah, makes it so there's, there's some there's some you know he's come out and let you know he's open to being moved to about half the league basically. Um. So fuck. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I, the, the, the whole, we saw that long list of no trade clause teams. I could see a scenario where he ends up. The other thing too, is it's Grinky. He's kind of an odd dude. He needs to be in the right place in the right market. Um, I think he ends up back in Milwaukee. I was, I was just about to say, maybe he ends up back in Milwaukee. I think he does. I like that. Would absolutely hate it, but would absolutely. You can, can see absolutely it happening. See it. Can absolutely yeah. see it happening. Yep. And you're, did you did you give a team for Grinky, Jonathan? Uh, it would be it would also be the Brewers. I think yeah. he would. He just, if he goes Milwaukee, anywhere, Milwaukee's a city for weird fucking people, and he would. He would <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, and he enjoyed his time there, so he's a National League guy for sure. I, yeah. I think, and, I think and he would reunite with uh, Lorenzo Cain. There you go. All right, so that'll uh, that'll round out our uh, MLB hot stove talk. We have the winter meeting starting next week. So hopefully, hopefully this thing picks up, man. I'm ready for some other shoes to drop. Finally, Corbin, you know, setting the market on or setting the market on starting pitching. I don't really like where the market was set 
but setting the market on starting pitching, hopefully we'll start to see some other things happen. Maybe, maybe now is when you see, you know, next week at winter meetings, since you've seen, you know, Corbin's market set that you see the, some teams make trades for guys like Madison Bumgarner or Corey Kluber, or Trevor Bauer, because the price, the price may be cheaper. And if they have the prospects, if these teams have the prospects, so uh, um, I want to see some fireworks. I want yeah, to, to, to emulate the NFL off season. I want yeah, it to be some nuts trades. Yeah, just just people swapping uniforms left and right. So, uh, speaking of the NFL and things things switching around, we have the coaching carousel. Yep, um, it is uh, beginning to. It's that time of year. It's beginning to uh, to heat up. Mike McCarthy fired after uh, uh, you know Super Bowl winning coach Mike McCarthy fired Jonathan. I'm sure you and uh, Big Cat are very are very dis- distressed over that. <laughs> Not ha- not happy about it because guess what? Someone's going to come in and figure out how to use both uh, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Gonna be, yep, going to be a scary time. The worst thing I think the the Packers could do is retain Joe Philbin as their as their head coach for next year. That'd be that'd be brutal. That'd be real bad. That, that would literally be the going from like bad to worse. No, that'd, I think be, be, that'd be the be end. Of, that'd be the end of Aaron Rodgers' career as a Packer. It would be. Wouldn't mind that either. Um, I think think that they should definitely pick up the phone and call Jeff Fisher. I can give you seven to nine reasons why. Maybe eight eight and eight reasons why they should definitely call Jeff Fisher. Um, But in all reality, uh, we've heard guys like Josh McDaniel's name thrown out there. Uh, who else mm-hmm. have we heard? Uh, is is Lincoln Riley still a candidate to just yeah. go about anywhere in, yep. in the NFL? Yeah, Lincoln Riley is, is high in the streets right now. Yeah, uh, you know, with with the news, was it official that Cliff Kingsbury is is going to USC? Is it, that officially just, official? They, they just finally worked through it today, so they had like okay. a three day snag, and they finally worked through Cause it. Because yep. I've been listening to you know, you know, he might be being advised to hold off. Don't do anything just yet. And he might get an OC job in the NFL somewhere to see, because that's the way the NFL is going is that kind of yeah. offense um, to see if his offense can play in the NFL. So, uh, you know, I, but he's, he's at USC now. So I think you're, you're done there, but I think it's, I think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers is going to be heavily involved in the process, especially with the way things shook down towards the end with Mike McCarthy. Um, and I, I honestly, Josh McDaniel seems like a logical fit. Um, it's just, you know, apparently this is what it, this, who was it? It was, uh, Matt Miller was talking about this on stick to football yesterday about Josh McDaniels being a possible fit. And that, uh, one of the big things that one of the big reasons he backed out of the indie job is, um, Belichick and Kraft kind of told, you know, they had that quote unquote closed door meeting and they told apparently in that meeting, he was warned very heavily about his next position, making sure he finds a position with good ownership. Uh, because that relationship with between a head coach and ownership is going to be very important. And that's one of the reasons he backed out of the indie job. Now the Packers have one of the most stable ownership groups uh, in the people. <laughs> exactly. Well, not, you know, they are <laughs> quote, unquote, owned by the people, but, but yes, they are, you know, that's something that there's going to be, they don't fire coaches often. It's not like the Browns where every two years they're looking for a new coach. They're like the Steelers, um, very stable, franchise. very stable franchise. It's going to be a long leash. And that's the kind of thing you want, especially to go, you know, well, oh, shoot, I can't work with Tom Brady anymore. Who else would I want to work with? Aaron Rodgers. So, so what, a, uh, what a dramatic step down a, that what is. What an aw shucks moment. So I think Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, uh, your mom, 
modern day Fred Hoiberg or Brad Stevens in the NFL. He is the hot college guy that everyone well, why do you wants think, to get. Uh, why do you think John Dorsey was down at the Big Twelve Championship? Uh, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think you I think you definitely see a scenario with Kyler Murray probably leaving for the Oakland Athletics. I think you definitely see Lincoln Riley jet out of town. So we'll see. When the NFL comes knocking like that strongly, I don't I for don't that see for why that young of a guy too, man. Lincoln Riley yeah. is like th- what thirty six or something crazy young. Yeah, he's young. He's like Sean McVay territory. Yeah. So, Jonathan, any uh, any thoughts on the coaching carousel? I mean, I'm sure we're going to see some more come up. It's going to be you know the 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 usuals, the Jets. Uh, possibly, yeah, my, I guess possibly, my thought out my thought out loud is if uh, Cleveland keeps Greg Williams at the helm. Um, and if they don't, is there any real logical choice besides Bob Liley, um, to pick as their next head coach? I mean, the, like the, 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 the hilarious rumor is urban Meyer, like urban Meyer is not going to go and cause himself even more health issues and coach the NFL, obviously, and go coach the Browns. But there's not this one. There's not, well, I have there's not the, seen there's the Bruce Arians around. rumor. Well, that's true. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's that that rumor has since died down after a couple of weeks. But well, I mean, if you're Bruce Arians and then the Packer job comes up, so like, okay. But could I you also, imagine his offense with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that'd be nuts. But I also think low key. I think the Browns' job is very a very appealing job. No, it is. You have oh, you have good ownership. You have a great GM who who obviously of, knows how to how to uh, how to evaluate talent and a lot of draft capital. A lot of draft capital, young franchise quarterback. I mean, Baker Mayfield is that. He is a young franchise and quarterback. Lincoln could it could get Baker back. Ooh, exactly. Be fun. Yep. A lot of fun. Yep. Yeah. Coaching carousel is going to be fun. Probably not as quite as exciting as the hot stove, or hopefully not as exciting as the hot stove. But not I think if you're it will be fan. not as yeah. But I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be on par with uh, one of the better coaching carousels we've seen in the last few years. Absolutely. I think because of a lot of the crossover between college and pro guys like Bruce Arians possibly getting back into the to the the, yes. uh, the NFL. Uh, hopefully, please God let Jeff Fisher get a head coaching gig somewhere. That would just be so awesome. That would be hilarious. Can't can't envision it happening. I would be totally fine with him just sticking on TV. Hey, is Doug Marone's job at risk down in Jacksonville? Yes. Any chance at all? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They've pretty much gone through what they fired their OC. Uh, last weekend because apparently he was the one responsible for yeah, Blake Bortles yeah. fucked up throwing motion. I, listen, I don't think you're wrong there. Blake Bortles, something changed. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Blake Bortles, next coach of Cleveland being, Browns. Is that what you're saying? From being average to, to bad. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think Doug Marone's job is certainly not safe. I also think whoever their GM there is job is definitely not safe. Re-upping, Coughlin, right? It's Coughlin. Oh, Coughlin. you're right. I don't think Coughlin's job's safe. I'll say that. Uh, I, I, I think his. I mean, look at the talent they've they've brought in through the draft. I mean, Jalen he's Ramsey, only been there for two years. Miles Jack, those guys. I mean, exactly. And look who he's drafted. The, the better part of their defense, he's traded. You know, he's traded away the ones that didn't pan out for pretty good capital. Yeah, that's like, true. Uh, pretty much Dante, Dante Fowler. Everyone, with the exception of Del- Telvin Smith. Yeah, I think the. Uh, I think the only thing here is is going to be what what happens with Blake Bortles. Yep. You know, do they do the Jaguars sign Teddy Bridgewater to a one year deal, a bridge year until they can get to Tua or Jake Fromm or that that twenty twenty quarterback class that we've we've heard so much about. So uh, that's going to be the real question. So anything else on the NFL before we wrap up? Falcons, hey, Falcons yeah. suck. Falcons really suck. 
no, Falcons might be the Falcons might be the only the only team this year that is on the path it's on that will not see any staff fired. None, except sure. maybe it's strength and conditioning. And uh, you don't think Sark? I think Sark's on the hot seat. I mean, I I, I don't know. Until I, last Matt, week, Matt Ryan was having a, a historically good year for yeah. And this then this whole offense has run without Devonta Freeman for the majority of the year. Who I'm going to just say it. I, I'm I'm not going to say he's overrated. I don't think Devonta was going to bring this team another win or two. But even still, he's been running he's been running it without his top back. I'm um, he's not a two war guy. That's <laughs> right. Well, if war was a thing in football, Devonta would not have that. <laughs> um, but also, remember a uh, last thing. Remember when people wanted Bill o, Bill O'Reilly fired down in Houston, and all he's done is win nine straight games. I mean Bill O'Brien, but Bill yes. O'Brien. I mean yes. Bill O'Reilly's cool too. <laughs> But yeah, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, all he's done is win nine straight. Crazy. Start out zero and three and win and rattle off nine wins in a row. And and he did uh, it live. Just and like I think O'Reilly. I think one thing that that says it says more about their division, who which we all thought was going to be a very tough division coming into the year. And look where Jacksonville is. Look where Indy is. And kind of look where Tennessee is too. So it's that it says a lot about their division. And and you know not to say that they haven't played great, but I mean. It's it's crazy what they've done. I mean, for as many injuries as they've had, it's crazy. Yep. Bears so. beat the Rams Sunday. That's all I that's my last thing. Bears still back. Does Trubisky play this weekend? Uh there the, if he's nine if he's he's, 90, he's, resu- he's resumed light throwing as of last week. Yeah, if he's ninety percent healthy, they're gonna play him. You don't need yeah, play. Yeah. You don't you're, fight, you're fighting for seeding with the Rams, right? Because if you could steal a game from them somehow, you get up into that two conversation real quick. Yep. Hope the hope the Saints find a way to maybe lose to the Bucks this week, um, just like they did in Week One, and then it's it's wide open if they can beat. beat that, uh, Saints, the Rams. that Saints Dallas game was crazy. Yeah, very that very shocked. Weird. It was just weird. Drew, Drew Brees almost played like he was concussed before the first snap. It was odd. It was very yeah. odd. He had like ten incompletions that were just like really very bad and not Drew Brees esque at all. Jalen Smith might have launched himself at Drew Brees in the tunnel, though, because Jalen Smith was launching at everybody that night. Especially their helmets. Especially, yeah, yeah. Okay. All anyway. right. So that being said, we, we're we back. It's been a while, but we didn't forget about our toss sauce. Our patented toss sauce segment brought to you by the Superior Light Beer, the ultimate dad soda, Michelob Ultra. This week, without Max, without Mac on the uh, on the podcast, we're going to have Jonathan take us out with our toss sauce this week. Jonathan, what you got for us? So, folks, I haven't seen this many health issues brought up since that last episode of Doctor House on uh, on TV, and Urban Meyer might as well uh, be the one to bring that show back to life because Doctor Urban Meyer is retiring again from the game of football. He is stepping down after Ohio State's bowl game and Ryan Day will be taking over. We're not exactly sure if this is because Urban is having health issues again. This could be a case of the NCAA has sanctions coming for Ohio State, and he's the only one that knows about it. Or he's just kind of tired of having to keep up with his assistants telling them that they can't be pulling Kareem Hunts all the time. You know, there could be a lot of factors at stake here, but for whatever it's worth, Urban Meyer has tossed himself from the game of football after the year 2018. Well, hey, at least he uh, yeah. at least he let Ohio State officials know about something, right? Yikes! Uh, yeah, uh, I think 
and we might, one of us might have even called this on the pod when the whole investigation came out. There was no way he was making it past this year. Whether they want to, whether they want to call it health issues or whatever they want to call it, um, when you work in your professional f- field long enough, you know what it looks like when someone quote unquote retires, uh, and that's exactly what this was. He was asked to step down and given the uh, the respectful way out, which is kind of comical given the whole investigation. Uh, I think Ryan Day is going to be a good fit, but yeah, peace out, Urban Meyer. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. He's been tossed. All right, that'll do it for the Get and Toss podcast for Caleb, Will, Jonathan, and Derek. We appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Peace. Peace.